Welcome to the Making Jobs Podcast, where we talk about car repair, business ownership, and everything in between. I'm your host, Matt Hernandez, founder and owner of Matt's Mobile Mechanics. And I'm your co-host, Tyler Schultz, with Witness Security. So without further ado, let's get the show on the road. Welcome back, job makers. Today is actually our 100th episode. Is it really? It sure is. Um, and I didn't... Well, technically, like, it's not our, it's my 100th, but, you know, since you came on as co-host, it's probably, like, at least, like, 50th or 60th episode or something like that. Um, and I didn't realize that until this morning. It dawned on me that um, whenever I uh, whenever I saved the... Uh, last episode to my files and I titled it, I was just thinking as I was driving up here, last episode was 99th. And I was like, huh. Technically, it's been more than 100 episodes because um, we've had we've had some non-numbered uh, in the past. Like I had a had like a couple of special episodes that didn't quite count as a, uh, I didn't, I didn't title it like uh, or or catalog it as a uh, like this night like for instance with Keith Watts when he was here it wasn't the 97th episode or whatever it was just a special episode hmm. so technically we've exceeded 100 episodes but <clears throat> this is the 100th episode and I feel kind of bad because I didn't plan anything like extra special or something well, you did the trumpet I did the trumpet okay <laughs> <laughs> so that's good then <laughs> All right, we have satisfied all of the all of the requirements to make it a special episode. We got coffee this morning. Mm-hmm. We got coffee this morning, and we have a trumpet. Um, so we had the uh, anyhow. Um, so I'm going to open up with just a little bit of GameStop news or info, and then we can move on from that. And 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 until things get crazy, maybe. Try not to harp on GameStop so much. I feel like it's a subject that just keeps coming up. But I had a thought, or well, I read something that, uh, so it kind of like dawned on me. I was like, oh. So a lot of people are saying, like, so you know about the proxy vote, right? Uh, have you voted, by the way? <clears throat> I have not. I keep seeing stuff about it, but I haven't done anything with it. Your shares were in Robinhood, weren't they? I had and you transferred them out. Transferred them to Fidelity. Yeah. Okay. So you should have got an email from Robinhood weeks ago, actually, because even though your shares were transferred out to Fidelity, your your voting is probably going to be done through Robinhood. So you'd get an email and you'd add a link, and then you just go through and vote, and then you'll get an email confirmation saying that you voted. Anyways, so I guess uh, I'll unpack that a little bit. Why is the voting important? Um, because with the annual shareholder meeting coming up, <clears throat> um, everyone who is a shareholder is, you know, urged to vote. And so everyone votes uh, on the matters at hand. And realistically, um, I would, you know, I just vote along with the board, not financial advice. None of this is financial advice, by the way. Um, just because the board knows what they're doing, Ryan Cohen knows what he's doing, and it makes sense to, uh, to just go ahead and, you know, vote for, uh, with the board on all of the issues. Um, now as a shareholder, you get the, you get the amount of votes that you have shares. So if you have 10 shares, you get 10 votes. If you have a thousand shares, you get a thousand votes. So like, okay, um, <clears throat> Georgie Sherman. Yeah. Against or for? No, I mean, I just, the, the board recommends four, so I would just go four. I mean, he, he's, he's still being voted in on the, on the board. I mean, he's still part of the board, so Ryan Cohen's keeping him around for some reason, so. But, um, I mean, that's just the way I voted. I just voted for, uh, for every, you know, in, basically in, in alignment with the board recommendations. So, so why is the vote, why do people ascribe such importance on the vote? Well, not only does voting matter, especially if you're like, oh, well, you're just voting along with the board, so you're not, there's no issues that you're trying to oppose, so why, why vote? Well, for one, you know, you're your shareholder, so vote. You know, let your voice be heard. Now, um, on the 
the, the real reason why everyone's saying, oh, everyone should vote, everyone should vote, is because, as I had previously mentioned, you get one vote per share. So, <clears throat> if you have one vote per share, and there are, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or millions of synthetic shares out there, what's going to happen is, you know, all the votes, because there's supposed to be uh, 70 million shares of GameStop, mm-hmm. right? So if they get 100 million votes come in, then they can say, hey, clearly something, something is squirrely here. I gotta let Matt carry on this uh, podcast for a minute. Okay. So they say, so you'd say, well, clearly there's something squirrely here. Well, so a lot of people are kind of p- thinking that these votes come in and then, <clears throat> and then GameStop or the board or whoever's, you know, involved with looking at the vote count is going to raise questions and say, hey, we have more votes coming in than we have shares, and then that will prompt, you know, the the GameStop to, uh, you know, contact the SEC, and the SEC will come down and say, all right, you have to sort this out, and then force basically force the hand of the short sellers to then have to cover to fix, you know, correct the situation with all of these massive amounts of synthetic shares. So the reason um, that they're not GameStop is not going to be announcing a vote-slash-share discrepancy before the annual shareholder meeting. Now, again, I'm, uh, well, I'll explain this first. The, the reason why they wouldn't likely come out before the annual meeting and say, hey, we got 100 million votes. <clears throat> we only have 70 million shares. What gives, SEC? The reason they wouldn't do that is plain and simple. The board of directors has elected to receive payment via shares and not via salary. So the way that their deal is worked out is that the board of directors is going to receive $200,000 worth of shares at current market price over the past uh, over 30 days prior to the annual shareholder meeting. So Rancon is thirteen percent. Yeah, but but there but and so each one of them has a certain amount of percentage. So. Well, what's gonna the the so because it's gonna be done at market price. What that means is if GameStop if they announced it and GameStop started squeezing and right before the annual meeting, and it, it was say at a million dollars a share, then the board will only get. Payment for their payment, their salary for the year is going to be one fifth of a share. Versus, if they get it at current market price around one fifty a share, so they'll get you know thirteen thousand shares. So, I I think Ryan Cohen and and company have no intentions of screwing over their new newly appointed board members that they just put in place because they'd effectively if it squoze before the before the annual meeting, they would effectively be working for the year for free versus if they get, you know, 13,000 shares uh, a piece, you know, around, you know, if it's around 150 ish bucks or so, either way, even if it goes up to like 160, 170, 180, or the average price is around there, they're going to get, you know, like 10,000 plus shares versus, you know, so that 10,000 plus shares will be worth something substantial. But if they're, if the price is, you know, a million a share, which is not, you know, that's, that's squeeze numbers, not, you know, not real uh, numbers that would reflect a year from now, and they can't cash in on those shares immediately. <clears throat> so they'd be stuck with a one fifth of a share, and that would be their salary for the for the year. So basically, they're getting they're getting their payment via shares. So because of that, I don't think um, it's likely to take off, or or certainly there's no there. So it's not to say that it couldn't take off before the annual meeting. It would just it would be a catalyst outside of GameStop. GameStop themselves. The uh, the company and the board, uh, like Ryan, they're not going to do anything to uh, to to potentially kick off the squeeze before the annual shareholder meeting because then when is that? Uh, uh, June 9th. So so we're not far out. No, no, we're not necessarily far out. And and but just what I'm saying is don't expect any news from GameStop about the vote 
before the annual shareholder meeting because they're not going to want to um, kick things off too early because then the board won't be getting, you know, fair compensation for their work for the year. You know, it would kind of suck because let's say, you know, basically effectively, um, you know, let's say it did, it kicked off to like a million dollars and that was the, that was the average share price for a 30 day period prior to the, prior to the meeting. Um, and they got one fifth of a share. Um, and then GameStop goes to, you know, uh, by the time, you know, by the time years end or something, let's say it goes up to a thousand dollars just on fundamentals alone. That means that the, you know, they, since they only got one fifth of a share, that means that for the entire year, they get to, they get to work for 200 bucks, you know? So, um, that so, seems fair. Yeah, so that wouldn't be that wouldn't be entirely fair. Now, if it goes up to a thousand dollars or whatever, and uh, they have yeah you know, they have thirteen thousand shares, that would be some you know some real real salary, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, they're kind of they're this is this is also another good news. Like this is what I'm saying. Like the board believes that the company on fundamentals alone will be worth more than it is now because they're because they're they're expecting, and most boards don't, you know, most board members make a substantial sum of money. So they're expecting, you think they're expecting to only make $200,000 no, or sure less that. than $200,000? That seems like a fair number. Because that's what they're getting paid. They're getting paid $200,000 of shares at current value, which right. means that they're expecting it to be more so that way they can make more. You know, a lot of board of directors uh, in most uh, big companies uh, you know, billion, a billion plus dollar companies are expecting to make, you know, uh, north of a million, right, for their salary. So that to me says that they expect the price is going to be worth five times, at least five times as much as it presently is, just on fundamentals alone. Um, because right. they're, they're, I mean, and they're betting their salary on it. They're betting their annual salary on it. So, Anyways, that's the last bit of news for now on it. And, and, like, and, and the reason why I bring it up now is to say that, you know, if you don't hear us talking about it, it's because I don't think anything honestly interesting is going to probably happen until after the, uh, uh, after the annual uh, uh, shareholders meeting, which you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, if something crazy, you know, something interesting pops up, we might sprinkle some things in here and there <clears throat> about it uh, in the future. So, um, mm coffee break um so uh uh in other news um i bought a trailer a pickup bed trailer i saw that yeah um i found it um and uh and uh so i've been i've been looking for a pickup bed trailer for a couple of reasons one i really wanted to make one into a camping slash trail trailer and they're about like the right size to be able to pull behind the cj7 this one is not going to be though. I've decided it's just going to end up being a farm trailer. Um, but I found it, it's a, uh, it's like a late sixties model, uh, or maybe early seventies to mid seventies. Uh, the bed is off of a Dodge. So it's Mm. pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and it would look right being pulled by your Dodge. That's what I, that's what I figured. Um, so I went, I met this guy, this guy was selling in Muskogee. So we met in Shakota. Um, and, uh, and I only paid 400 bucks for it, which is pretty cool. Um, tires are uh, brand new, uh, new trailer lights and wiring and everything, and new couplers. So like it's you know um, the the oldest thing on that thing is you know this is you know the, the the original you know suspension from the truck that it came off of, and the uh, uh, and the bed itself. But the bed's in solid solid shape. In fact, I honestly want to figure out some way to. Um, uh, stored under cover because uh you, you just don't find you know rust free um you know it's not doesn't have any holes rusted through it or anything like that um the, the body of that bed is in good shape in fact honestly i could sell that truck bed itself without the trailer frame for more than what i paid for that trailer if, if i was fine if i found someone who's restoring that era um model uh dodge truck <laughs> so um because it's it's hard to find those things in you know in one piece that aren't rusted up or or um, <clears throat> or what have you. But so yeah, I, I say that say that to say this when I was driving home. So I, I bought the, bought it from the guy, you know, gave him the money. 
you know, he, he hooked it up to my truck and that was a, that was a mistake. I should not have, so he's, he's a, he's a, he, he's a, he's in the army. Um, I know this cause he was in his uniform. He just came from uh, camp Gruber and, uh, and he's, uh, so I should, you should, uh, any Marine should know better than to trust a soldier to do, to do something that a Marine can do. Um, so I get on the highway and I, I, uh, get on I-40 and I get up to about close to 70 miles an hour and I hear a noise. And I look in my mirror, and I see that the tail end of the trailer is kind of sticking up. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I go, oh, no. The trailer came off my hitch. And it's just being held on by the safety chains. And the safety chains, I remembered when hooking them up, that uh, the hooks were kind of bent out a little bit. And I remembered thinking to myself, when I get home, I'll... You know, I'll, I'll bend those in a little bit because I was like thinking to myself as as uh, as he was hooking the trailer up because I I put the safety chains on and connected the uh, electrical to it while he hooked the hitch up, and I remember thinking to myself, these safety chains if that hitch ever comes off, they're not going to do jack squat, and I was correct because <laughs> uh, so I start trying to really slowly slow down because I don't want any sudden movements on that trailer, and uh, and I start to slow down. But then the uh, the trailer bumps into my the back of my truck, and it, those one of the chains just clean broke off of the trailer, and the other chain came loose, and then I see the trailer in the passing lane next to me, <laughs> doing a pretty good job of passing me, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, oh no, <laughs> so I throw on my hazard lights, and fortunately there's like nobody around me. There's no one to my left. There's no one in front of me. No one behind me. And I'm looking, like looking in my mirrors, like is there someone? Because the speed limit on that on that interstate is 75. <laughs> and it was keeping up. And uh, and at that point, <laughs> at that point, I think I looked at my speedometer and I was doing 60, and the trailer was doing probably roughly 63 because it was kind of gaining and passing. <laughs> and uh, and so I, and so it it no kidding was in that left and it was it was doing a pretty good job of maintaining the lane. Uh, for a good hundred yards or so. <laughs> and so I'm slowing down and I see in my mirror in the distance, I see there's a, a truck coming up, a pickup truck coming up behind me. And I'm like, okay, I need to like figure, like, I don't want them coming up on the trailer. For one, I don't want, I just bought this trailer. I literally have towed it less than a mile. And I'm like, I don't want someone to come careening into my trailer that I just bought and totaling it. And then me having to pay for their you know, uh, pay, pay my insurance, uh, deductible to have their truck fixed or whatever, or worse, someone gets hurt. So, so I'm slowing down and I'm, and then like the trailer, like change lanes to the right lane in front of me. And I thought to myself, <laughs> this is really freaking weird. <laughs> now I'm following my trailer. <laughs> and so now I've got this trailer that at one point I was in control of and towing and is now leading me. <laughs> And so I'm there, and I've got my hazards on, and I'm slowing down, backing up to give the trailer distance, and I don't want that so that people don't. And then I think, well, what if it gets back in the other lane? So I guess i got to get in the middle. So I get in the middle of the, um, uh, between, uh, <clears throat> in the middle of the two lanes, the right lane, left lane, to kind of block the highway so no one comes up. Because I got to thinking, I was like, well, this guy comes up behind me. He might see me going slow and just go to pass me. He probably does, isn't going to see my trailer in front of me. Because, you know, who would expect that? That would be weird. And, <laughs> and then the trailer decided that it wants to get in the passing lane again. So no sooner did I get in, the, in between the two lanes that the trailer decided it, sure enough, was going to get into the passing lane. <laughs> and so it's just cruising along. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, what? Oh, no. And the guy behind me is barreling down on me. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, what is this guy thinking? He sees a truck with his hazards on, taking up both lanes, and he's not like slowing down. I think, I, I think honestly, I think he was like messing with his phone or something. He, cause there's no way he could, he didn't, he, the, if he was paying attention to the road, he should have seen me a ways out. And, mm -hmm. uh, and he didn't, cause whenever, whenever he did slow down, he seemed to kind of get on his brakes pretty hard. And, um, then the trailer decides that it's just going to go off into the, uh, into the, uh, off the 
to the left of the highway into the center median area. And so it's cruising. And then the tongue, um, you know, because the tongue is down at this point. And it was just kind of grinding. It was just kind of skidding along on the asphalt, and then whenever it gets off into the into the median, it's mostly just loose asphalt millings in there. So it starts digging in, and then it uh, and it kind of kicked it off to the side. And the left, it, so the center uh, median there has um, those uh, the cable uh, uh, barriers, mm-hmm. and it just freaking bounced off of that. And just, and I'm like, great. I'm like, I just freaking destroyed my trailer. <clears throat> and so it comes to a stop. I pull off to the right. And then I'm like, okay, um, I guess I'm going to go walk across. Because I was, I th- was going to pull off to the left, but there's not much room there. So I just pull off to the right and walked across the interstate mm-hmm. and went to go look at it. Barely a dent. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, light, it was light enough. So I picked it up. And then just, you know, pulled it across the interstate. So I must have looked really strange to <laughs> cars coming along. Just a, just a guy pulling a trailer. Um, and then it's, easy, it's easier to pull that thing by th- with that truck. <clears throat> yeah, it sure is. Yeah, that's probably what Not people you. are thinking. Like, hey, uh, why aren't you using the truck that you have over there? So I hooked it up. And what had happened was um, the coupler on the, the tongue of that trailer is a little tight. And I don't think he got it on all the way. Um, cause I'm, tr- I'm looking at trying to figure out like how on earth did this not, so I set it on my, my hitch and I realized what had happened. He, it was basically just sitting right on top of the ball. And then he, whenever he closed the, the lockdown on it, it just, you know, didn't, it didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. So, cause I, I put it back on to kind of try and replicate what had happened. And I realized that he could in fact close that down and I was like, oh, it's like he didn't have it on all the way. So I put it on, stepped on it and it popped down on my hitch. And, because uh, at, at first I was like, this guy sold me a defective trailer. And then I th- thought, well, no, he drove all the way from Muskogee. And uh, I barely made it a mile before the trailer went <laughs> on its own little journey. <laughs> and so, so that was extremely exciting. <laughs> that first bit. Say the least. Yeah. What's really weird is like during this situation, like I was not freaked out at all. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like, like I wasn't like panicked or anything. I was just like, okay, what do we do? All right, let's get in, you know, let's block traffic and whatnot. And then after the fact, I was like, holy crap, <laughs> like that could have been a bad day. Um, it was crazy. I always have in the back of my mind, every time that I'm, I hook up a trailer, every time I always have this gnawing fear in the back of my head that it will come off of that hitch. Is always every time that it's every time that I hook the safety chains onto my truck, uh, any trailer, well, I always you, think to myself, "You worried that <clears throat> what happened to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, happened to you? Yeah, every time that I put the safety chains on, it reminds me that those chains are there for a reason, and I think to myself, wouldn't that be scary if a trailer pops off of your truck while you're driving down the highway? Okay. And uh, and sure enough, it happened to me for the first time in my entire life. You know, three decades on this earth and, it's, and you know, how many countless miles I've pulled trailers and it's never happened to me. And the only time that it did happen to me is when someone else hooked up my, hooked up my trailer and I should have known better. I should have, I should have double checked his work. I looked at it, but I didn't like put hands on it and verify that it was in fact actually hitched to my truck because it certainly wasn't. So, um... So I, I decided to turn that into a farm trailer anyways, because um, uh, it's about the perfect size for it. I'm never going to find a tailgate for it. Um, and realistically, if I wanted to turn it into a, like a camping trailer, like to store like camping gear, I'd, I'd get a camper shell for it, but I'd, I'd really need a tailgate. And uh, that that truck bed, that, that year, that model truck bed, I'm never going to find a tailgate for it. Uh, I'd have to custom fabricate one or something, and my fabrication skills are... Somewhat lack, like I can fabricate some stuff, but not a whole tailgate. I don't think I would. I could make one, but I wouldn't make a pretty one. And uh, you don't think you could uh, make the Dodge word on the bed of the, or the on the tailgate itself? And well, see, that wouldn't be entirely difficult because what I'd do is I'd find another Dodge tailgate. Um, it just have to be like an older, like '80s model or something like that. I could potentially find one that's like a tailgate that's jacked up, doesn't work anymore. Cut the back panel off, and then. I can use the, you know, where because it has the, you know, the Dodge, uh, you know, uh, raised letterings on the metal of those first-gen Rams. There might be one in the back. 
Oh, really? That's two trucks back there. Hmm. What? I'd still Dodges or those Fords. I have I haven't noticed, but I'd st- I'd well, still have be to working next to them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'd still have to uh, I'd still have to like basically cut you know and make a tailgate out of it because it wouldn't you know a, a first gen Ram's not going to fit that because that that particular truck bed is pre Ram. But uh, but I went uh, <clears throat> um, went and got a, a fuel transfer tank, a thirty seven gallon tank to put in it. And, uh, um, and then a fuel pump and everything. So that way I can store, you know, 37 gallons of fuel on the farm instead of having to go, go to the gas station and fill up five gallon, uh, jugs, especially I cannot stand the safety cap or the safety nozzles on these new five, on these new gas cans. It's, it's downright annoying. They are so annoying and they're slow. (coughs) And in fact, most of the time I never fill my mule all the way up. You know, it gets down to E, and I just don't, I don't have the type of time in my life to sit there for 15 minutes with a five-gallon, because it takes, the, the fuel, the mule has like a uh, almost six-gallon fuel tank, so. So, so you're like, Eli, come here. <laughs> no, that's Hold the thing, this. is like, I can't hardly, because if, if I have well, the actually, kids do it. you didn't even have the pressure, or yeah, the, the strength to push. Yeah, if I have one of the kids do it, either it would, either they would. Get fuel all get over fuel the place. all over the place, or and that's the thing is with those dumb safety nozzles is that because you have to push on them to release them, it tends to cause like put pressure on that nozzle and cause that cap to break. So you have to really finesse it right to not break the nozzle and allow fuel to come out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's just really annoying. So usually I just you know fill up the mule halfway. So the mule is full now because I've got that you know sweet electric eight gallon per minute pump on the fuel transfer tank takes like you know 15 seconds to um to put a couple of gallons in the in the mule top it off and um now i've got now i've got fuel um but i i realized this as i was you know buying this thing and then putting it in the trailer, and then subsequently filling it up, and every person I came in contact uh, during this entire process, like at Atwoods when I was buying it and it was in my cart, at the gas station when people were pulling up and looking at me filling up this, you know, I because I had to set, like I, I got it to the gas station, then put the, because uh, it doesn't have like the caps on it and stuff, so then I threaded the cap on it, and so they, you know, people were realizing that I just bought it for sure. And I'm thinking to myself, with this uh, fuel crisis that is going on, People must think that I'm like over here loading up on fuel and hoarding gas. And I have, I have almost like a couple of scenarios over this past year have like, I coincidentally, it has lined up to where it looks like I'm like preparing, uh, prepping. Yeah. So, so I, uh, Matt's a doomsday prepper. So before, you know, pre 2020, I got back into reloading ammo. Uh, you know, loading bullets, making making my own ammo. But I had been into that before. I already had most of the stuff. Have you been making and any sense? Now I have to set up my office. <clears throat> so that way I have a space to do it. And plus, I think half of my stuff is still packed up. And the other half is in the garage. But so I, uh, so, you know, for, for that, you know, and then, so it looked like I'm just kind of ahead of the curve. Because <laughs> right, at, right at the time that uh, the ammo shortage kind of came about, I'm still going to the reload supply store and buying stuff before they ran out of things. And then people are like, you must have seen something coming. Like, Actually, no, it's just complete coincidence. I just got back into a hobby of mine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, ammo prices were getting high. But what it was is I got back into a hobby of mine and I started shooting at the range more frequently. So I just wanted a, a way to, you know, kind of cut down on the cost of that of that hobby. And that was, you know, reloading my own ammo. So... And then pandemic hits and everyone's talking about, you know, wanting to move out of cities and stuff and go buy, you know, go live on a self-sustaining farm. And here I am in the middle of 2020 <laughs> going out and moving out. But, but that wasn't, I didn't plan it that way. I had planned the year prior to that um, to say, yep. you know, it was, it was in 2019 that we had that deal <coughs> fall through on, on that one house that we had and we said, okay, well, we're done for now. It, we'll, we'll start looking for a house uh, spring of next year. Little did I know spring of next year was going to be 
in the middle of a crazy pandemic. And then this gas, this gas uh, shortage slash price hike thing that's possibly going to be going on was barely on my radar. In fact, Keith Wallace called me and was like, hey, just uh, seeing how things are going down there with gas. And I'm like, well, wait, what's happening? <laughs> like, I barely knew what was going on with it. And then I'm, I'm uh, coincidentally also buying this gas tank, which I had planned on buying before there was even some sort of an announcement of any of this, because I, that was the plan was I was going to buy it. I'm just shocked that you didn't use any of your Ziploc baggies. Yeah. (laughs) That's just mind blowing that people are that stupid. They'll double bag a Walmart sack and go and try and fill that with gas. Yeah. I don't think they're aware of what happens to that, that type of plastic whenever, uh, whenever it comes in contact with gasoline. Aaron... I don't know if you you're remember this, but Aaron, for some reason, decided to fill an ice cream bucket, uh, one of those uh, plastic cheapo ice cream uh-huh. uh, ice cream buckets, and he filled it with gas, and then for some reason he decided to pee into the gas, and it melted the plastic like, I mean, I'm sure gas melts plastic. But it melted it faster. Yeah. The ammonia and hmm. from the pee and the gas just sped that process up. Well, that's interesting. I don't... That's quite the experiment that he ran. Um. <laughs> yeah, he gets done doing that. He's like, well, that was a fun experiment. Yeah. Um, so, so what is it? you seem to be more cued in on? I guess it, it's it primarily seems to be affecting the eastern seaboard. Like, so the yeah, it's the eastern seaboard. There's a uh, pipeline that runs through there, and yeah, from what I understand, I guess there's a um, the 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 pipe broke or something, and because of that, they have a gas shortage. I really don't know all the details. Huh. I just know that uh, there was some, yeah. something that happened. Well, people were talking to me about it, and I said, I don't think it's going to really affect Oklahoma. Like, we might see slight price increases. The if that going to increase a little bit. Yeah, because <clears throat> we're, we're relatively oil independent <laughs> to a degree, and... Um, and even what we can't, what we're, what we're not producing here, like we've got Texas right, right around the corner, and they have, uh, they have a good supply, and I'm pretty sure we get a lot of our fuel from Texas. So, um, I, I would suspect that we won't, we won't see any shortages or, um, or see anything crazy with fuel rates going up or whatever. But when I was filling up that gas tank. A guy pulled up in the gas station. He had this boat, you know, and he was filling up his boat as a big sport cruiser. Um, and uh, which I'm sure, like, that size boat probably has a, probably about a 40, maybe 50-gallon gas tank. So he's filling his boat up, and I was like, oh, you heading out to the lake uh, today? And he's like, no, um, I'm getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. And I'm, like, thinking, that's a little ways out. And, uh, and he's like, well, you know, you, you know, I've, I've just been, you know, filling up every, every tank I have just in case, you know, the, the shortage hits here. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think we're gonna, like, the only reason we would have a shortage is if, pe- if, is if it cascades and people start panicking and going and buying a bunch of like fuel storage tanks and filling everything up. And that would, and so it basically be a toilet paper effect. Yep. Is, uh, which is, is which is a term I'm now coining um, the toilet paper effect, and that is there is there is a perceived shortage, and then so people freak out and hoard it and buy way too much of it and creates an actual shortage, like we saw in the pandemic. With there was no shortage of toilet paper until no, people started buying actually, everything off of the shelves. There was a company we just did a camera system for their house, mm-hmm. um, Atkinson Supply here in Tulsa. Yeah. And they said that they had TP the entire time. Uh, they were selling it uh, by the <clears throat> box. Mm-hmm. So just because they didn't have um, a lot of customers, mainly because they didn't have a website that uh, really does well, yeah. uh, no one knew that they had toilet paper. Probably also... 
I don't know if I'd want their toilet paper. It'd probably be uh, the same kind that we had that you could probably double up the ply like three or four times and still finger your butthole. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I hate that we, we had that toilet paper during that shortage yeah. and... I fingered my butthole way too many times. <laughs> I don't know if I would admit that to the internet. <laughs> well, as, as you're wiping and the toilet paper breaks and then you just... Woo! Yeah, I don't, I don't know if explaining it helps there, Tyler. You've already said it. Um, so It's not that I wanted to. Yeah. No, coincidentally, um, we were running... <clears throat> my household was running low on toilet paper about the time that store shelves becoming empty and we need to go buy some and it's like i'm i'm like and like the only thing that was left was like the little packages or whatever and alicia bought like a few of them and people are like looking at her like giving her dirty looks or whatever and it's like we're not hoarding it it's like we have kids that are not like they're unaware that toilet paper is shortage right now they're over here spinning the toilet paper roll like it's the wheel of fortune yep and um <clears throat> i mean in my household we go through at least a roll a day one of the big rolls at least a roll a day. So a month supply is a 30 roll, like one of the big, like 36 packs or whatever of toilet paper. That's a month supply. So if we only have 12 rolls, we don't have enough for two weeks. Okay. You got to think. So, I mean, you have somewhat of a large family. Yeah. What about the families like the Duggars? Yeah. Or, uh, or and like yet- my uncle. Who has ten kids? You know, which I guess two of them aren't at home, living at home anymore. But you know, but they go to the store to buy toilet paper, and they were you know saying no, only only one pack of toilet paper per person. Yeah, well, they were. I mean, for for no apparent reason, at some point, Walmart started rationing bread. You can only buy two loaves. I don't think so, people. So my family, if we make lunch, that is that is more than a loaf of bread for sandwiches for the kids. So two loaves. Is not even two days, like, there's not even two meals for my family. So, that, that even that's kind of funny. I mean, those those people, like the Duggars or your uncle, yeah, um, they'd just be hilarious to, they'd have to be like, all right, here's 50 bucks. You're going to buy a, ro- a thing of toilet paper. <laughs> and to another kid, you're going to have to buy a thing of toilet paper and two loaves of bread. You're going to have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go get in line. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's way had how it would have to be, I guess. I mean, or you could do uh, do what I did that one time. I went to Academy and they were they they I found that they had some five five six ammo for sale, and uh, uh, I went in, bought some, and then went out to my truck, changed hats, went back in and bought some more. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they had a three box limit. That is so. Keith, whenever uh, he and I went. Um, <clears throat> This is, I think it was right before Thanksgiving or right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I go in, and we, uh, he 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 wasn't going to buy any ammo. Um, he was just there. He was going to, well, he was going to buy 40. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's looking, and he's like, well, they don't even have 40. And this is what actually triggered his thought of getting a 9, because 40 is not a super common uh, caliber. No, it's not. And but it's not rare enough that nobody has it so that it, you know, doesn't come off of the shelves. It's there's there's enough of them to where when something like this happens they sell out, but there's not enough of them out there for manufacturers to like ramp up to keep up with supply and there's definitely not a surplus of it laying around in the right. same sense. We basically this past year we have seen um a whole lot of toilet paper effects where there's not really a shortage of anything there is a perceived shortage and then people freak out go out and stock up on this stuff and it and then um recently um during the freeze whenever we had that freeze the you know freak snowstorm that we got right um that we there was a perceived shortage of feed and then you couldn't get a hold of feet. You couldn't buy all stock. You couldn't buy cattle cubes. And the reason for that, I guarantee it, is so there was a real shortage. There was a slight shortage because there was a slight issue with logistics. But it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have been completely empty. Like we shouldn't have the stores feed store shouldn't have completely run out. What had happened was trucks couldn't deliver because of the road conditions. 
but they only couldn't deliver because of the road conditions for like a week. Now, most feed stores um, and most like Atwoods Tractor Supply, any place that carries feed, they're not usually getting daily deliveries of feed, right? And their shelves still somehow manage to be full. They get like weekly deliveries and sometimes, you know, um, bi-monthly. So every other week they get they get or bi-weekly yeah bi-weekly uh bi-weekly is weird because that can mean more than once a week or once every other week anyhow um the um so sometimes they get every other week they get a delivery of feed and they still their shelves still remain full but when trucks couldn't deliver for a week everything goes empty and what it was is people were like oh no you know there's going to be a shortage so I'm going to go out and buy everything. A uh, guy at my church was telling me that uh, he was driving down the road and he saw um, he saw like a big 30-foot gooseneck trailer flatbed being hauled by this one-ton pickup truck that was nose-to-tail loaded down with pallets of cattle cubes. Hmm. And you can't, you can't tell me that that guy at that farm needed that much cattle cubes. He was just worried that, oh, if I don't get it now and buy it all now... I won't be able to buy some later. Mm-hmm. When if everyone just went and bought the normal amount of feed that they normally get, then in a week's time, like there might be a small shortage for a little bit, but in a week's time when trucks start rolling again, we and we all knew. We, and we could see the forecast. We knew that the freeze was only going to last like two weeks stops. Mm-hmm. And the snow was only for one week. Right. So, and that was so the freeze didn't really affect uh, road conditions. Though the snow was what affected the road conditions, prevented you know the trucks from being able to deliver. So we knew that there was only going to be one week of logistics uh, interruption. So theoretically, we should have been fine, even though there was a real potential for a shortage. It was mostly because of the perceived short, like the shortage got exacerbated because of the. Uh, because of people freaking out and running out and buying <clears throat> buying all of everything that anyone had. And I talked to, and, and uh, one of the feed store owners was telling me that he said, he said, under normal circumstances, we should not be running out, but everyone's trying to buy too much. And he turned away a guy. A guy came in and said he wanted, because um, uh, I went in and, and I said, hey, I need, and it was a feed store I didn't normally use just because they were the only ones that had cattle cubes. And I said, hey, I need... Um, two bags of uh, 50 pound bags of 20% cattle cubes. And he said, okay. And then another guy came in and said, um, he's like, I need 12 bags of cattle cubes. And he said, no. And I was like, what? You just told me, you just sold me too. Um, he's like, he's like, we don't have any. And, and I was like, he just sold me too. What does he mean? And the guy's like, <clears throat> and the guy's like, well, I, I need 12. So then the owner tells the customer, he's like, what did you do with the 40 bags I sold you yesterday? <laughs> And he's like, well, I got so many cattle, I need more. And he said, he's like, we have some. He's like, but I don't have any for you. So I, he's like, I can, he's like, I can sell you six. And he's like, well, can you do like eight? And he's like, I can sell you six. <laughs> so he was rationing it out because he recognized that people were going out and panic buying feed. That's, it's crazy. It's just been, it seems like we can't go more than two months over this past year, you know, year, year and a half. Every two months, there seems to be some sort of panic buy something, whatever it may be. No one's panic buying GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> um, I do. Whenever it drops, I freak out and I buy more. <laughs> Me too. It's it's contagious. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh no, I can get it for one forty three. I have to buy some now. I don't know what to do. Um, oh, so- whenever. Uh- when I got that payment from uh, my Equinox, uh, that is, uh, it's been a lifesaver when it comes to being able to buy, buy a more GameStop. Yeah. It's like, how oh, sweet. <laughs> I, Rachel, so- Rachel saw that I put $700 into my Weeble account, and she's mm-hmm. like, I thought, I thought we were done buying uh, GameStop. It's like, <laughs> well, I mean... That's kind of a relative term. I mean, yeah, I was done for the day. I was done back then when we didn't have any cash sitting in the savings account. Yeah. Now I've got now I've no. got some extra cash, and I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to grow our savings account. Yeah. Come on, babe. Yeah. 
seems like. I mean, it's it's uh, it's at a discount now, so might as well buy now uh, while while we're at it. Hey, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll come back and uh, finish up the show because we don't have a whole lot of time left. So uh, here's a word from our sponsor. And we're back. So uh, so what do you think the next uh, panic buy thing is going to be? Because it seems to be so off the wall that it's unpredictable. We can't figure out. Like, Well, toilet paper was... I would have never guessed toilet paper. Not in no. a million years. A pandemic hits and we're like, oh, we, everyone needs toilet paper. Here's here's my thought. This was my thought process on it. I wasn't too worried about not getting toilet paper. I was just more thinking this is going to be inconvenient. You know, <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I, I gotta, I gotta say, maybe, possibly, it like the toilet paper. I gotta say that that was probably triggered by somebody higher up. They're like, oh, you know what? It was someone. I, it was, I, wa- I wonder how how fast people would catch on to this if if we. Just say that there's going to be a toilet paper shortage. I think it was someone over at Procter and Gamble. Um, they were because you know Procter and Gamble. It's a conglomerative yeah. of like basically anything paper goods and anything household cleaning supplies. Procter and Gamble owns that company. Like they own S.E. Johnson, I think. Um, oh, they, they own, own a lot. They own it would like Clorox. Me. They own Pledge. Like they own all of those. They probably had so, a conference. So I wonder if like someone over at Procter and Gamble in a board meeting is like looking down and like, well, we've got this pandemic coming. We're probably gonna, you know, we're probably gonna take a hit this quarter. Um, what's going on? Um, and then someone over, you know, the the vice president, the VP of TP, comes out and he's like, hey, our toilet paper sales are down this quarter. We mm-hmm. we really need to. And they said, all right, what do we do? Um, Launch a Twitter campaign, uh, or or launch a social media campaign, and tell people that <clears throat> that there's going to be a shortage of of toilet paper, and then and our sales will go through the roof. And sure enough, like it, ha- like I almost feel like it was some sort of conspiracy to try and sell more toilet paper. And by golly, I bet they had the best quarter that they've ever had in the history of selling toilet paper. <laughs> Um, there is no world that they didn't, because I don't think that, yeah, George, someone over at Georgia Pacific, the paper company that makes toilet paper, they're like, <clears throat> you know what's interesting? <laughs> For all of the panic buying of TP, um, and I don't know, maybe I didn't, maybe maybe there's an explanation for this, but I don't I don't recall any public restrooms ever not having toilet paper in them. No. Everyone that I ever went to had TP. Yeah. And matter of fact, but I think the reason now I think about it, I think the reason is is they get their toilet paper from they don't get it from retail. No, they, they get, get it. They get it. You know, commercial supplier. It's typically like Georgia Pacific, um, which we actually have a a plant here in Oklahoma, not not far from the Tulsa area that makes toilet paper. That's why I said there's no. I said this makes no sense. We have we've there's a place here in Oklahoma that makes toilet paper. We're not running out. I know I went into a couple of uh, public restrooms and there would there was one time there was a lady that she was uh leaving with the uh not lady uh this person uh, it was not a man or a woman it was a a he she uh-huh. um, he she uh, grabbed this roll <laughs> As I'm walking into the restroom, I see that he's got this commercial size. The big giant commercial <laughs> rolls. <laughs> he's leaving with it, and I'm like, I will tell you that, you, jerk. You, know, you know, it's funny, is uh, pre-COVID, you know, I always, I always looked at public restrooms and, note, you know, saw that the uh, toilet papers had, like, locks on them. I'm like, who's wanting to steal this terrible toilet paper? And... Uh, now it makes a whole lot more sense, you know, um, <clears throat> in light in light of uh, last year. In fact, in fact, what's funny is you know our kids may grow up thinking that that's pretty normal. Of course, of course, you would have a lock on the on the toilet paper holder because then people might steal it um, when it really wasn't. I'm like, you know, beforehand, I was like, who's stealing toilet paper? And then after this year, it's like, oh yeah, well, I guess you know people are stealing toilet paper. That's a thing to steal. Um, <clears throat> so, so who knows? Um, there's not, there's not really any good, uh, any good. There's no indicator of anything that you know. It just seems like 
<clears throat> at this point, we're just rolling from one thing to another. And I almost feel like a lot of these things are minor issues that otherwise wouldn't be that big of a deal. And I feel like, I feel like there's somebody or someone has an incentive to, to make a bigger deal out of these minor issues to, to keep people constantly in a panic, like, like we're being distracted by something or from something. Um, like why, you know, why is it that, you know, granted, you know, a, a, a fuel shortage in, in the, on the East coast, I mean, that's kind of big news I would say, but, but, you know, before that, you know, like it, it just seems like it's just, we're rolling from one thing to the next. Like we can't get like a break, like since spring of 2019 or 2020. It wouldn't surprise me. It, it wouldn't surprise me if the Democrats are just trying to constantly keep us in a in a tailspin. Yeah, like it doesn't feel it feels like there isn't um when, when one of when we <clears throat> bounce back from uh some sort of tailspin, then they're like, "Oh, we're about to we're about to come out of it." Yeah. Oh, let's go ahead and uh, uh let's shut all spin the gas another off. One. Yeah, shut all the gas off in the, on the East Coast. All right, here we go. Um or, you know, you know, people don't have toilet paper. What's next? You know, it's just it's just one thing after the other. <clears throat> I mean, you know what's what's even more terrifying is that there are real things that could be problematic that that's not getting highlighted, and things that we could have been working on fixing, and that would be like uh, like there's almost definitely going to be a uh, a beef shortage uh, coming up. And maybe even just a meat shortage in general, and and no one's you know I feel like they're just waiting to spring it on us the moment that it happens instead of working on fixing it before it does become a problem. I don't know. Anyhow, um, it's time about blah, blah, about time to head out of here. It's time about it's time about to about on time to you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, anyways, ne- next time <laughs> we'll catch you next time on the Making Jobs podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk at you folks later.